Okay, Tom, welcome back to another and ongoing series of Shirim and Daf Yomi. We are now at the second Mishnah, the ninth parak of Ketubot, Daf Peidalad Amur Aleph. And our Mishnah will be focused on two different circumstances where there are competing collectors for an estate and, um, and where the preference goes. Mishimet, a fellow died, Vinyach Isha Ubalchoviorshin. So he left a widow, so there's a Ketubah interest, a Balchov, a creditor, Viorshin, and of course his heirs. Vayalo Picadono Milva Biarachirim. So besides whatever land he had, he also had, uh, funds which were either a Picadon, meaning a bail, or Milva alone, that other people had. In other words, he had lent money out, so the, the other people had to pay it back. Ritarfon says that those money should be given to the koshel, which means the weakest. We'll see what that means and why. But he, sh- he says that you determine the case not based just on the information, but based on some other factor. Rabbi Kiva, not, meaning not just on the strict letter of the law, but some other factor. And Rabbi Kiva responded and said, Ein badin. We do not show favoritism in din. Rather, all of this, the collection should come and be given to the heirs. Why? Because after all, everybody else who comes to collect needs to take an oath to the fact that the estate owes them, as opposed to heirs who get it without a shvua. Now, second half of this is, Let's say that there was no debt outstanding towards the estate, but rather the... um the fellow who had died had left Perot that were not part of the Karka. So it's Metaltolin. Among these three interested parties, not just anybody, among the three interested parties, meaning the uh, <coughs> the heirs, the creditor, or the Isha, the, the Yamana, whoever grabs first, it's theirs, which is a concept known as Tfisa, which will occupy most of our attention in this Gemara. Let's say that either the Isha grabbed all of the Perot, but they amounted to more than what she was owed, more than the amount of the Ketubah, or the Balchov, same thing. Then, Hamotar, what do you do with the leftover money? In other words, she collected $100,000 worth of Perot, her Ketubah was fifty. So what do you do with the other 50000 It should be given to the weakest one, and again, whatever that meant in the ratio, it'll mean the same thing here. Again, same idea. Again, Rabbi Akiva is uh, is uh, arguing in favor of the Yorshim being the default recipient because of their clearly favored status in the law because they don't need to take a Shvua in order to collect. Now, the first thing the Gemara attends to is in the first clause, there were two possible cases thrown out, which is either that the money was being held as a bail or as a loan. So, why do I need both of those? The answer is, uh, if I only learn Milvin. Remember, Milvin is alone. When I lend you money, the purpose is not for you to hold on to it, it's for you to use it. And then after 30, 60 days, however long we stipulated to return money to me. So then I would think, Bahakam Rabbi Tarfon, that's the case. If I only learned the case of Milva, I'd say that's where Rabbi Tarfon says that you give it to the weakest one. Mishun de Milva because after all, the Milva, the, the monies themselves don't have an intrinsic value to the state except for their inherent value. But not an intrinsic value. I don't care if it's these greenbacks or other greenbacks or I gave you twenties and you give me back in hundreds, doesn't matter. So there I would argue, okay, then the heirs don't have a, uh, the inside track. 
Al pikadon de ite beine, but a pikadon, which is something that is, uh, that is being brought back as is and has some connection to the family. And Modelo Rabbi Kiva, maybe he'll agree with Rabbi Kiva that the Yorshim really do have the inside track. And now the obvious thing to do here is just flip it to be Tanaha. If I only learn pikadon, then the haka amar Rabbi Kiva, ababa haka imam Modelo Rabbi Tarfon Perhaps if I only had Pikaron, I would say that's where Rabbi Kiva insists on the Yorshim having the inside track, but if it was a Milva, maybe to go through Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Tarfon, therefore it's Rikha. Good. Now, my La Koshel, this phrase La Koshel, what does it mean? Rabbi Yosemachani no mer La Koshel Shibaraya, the one who has the worst argument, meaning the latest star. Rabbi Yochanamar Le Tisha. He says, no, it's always given to the Ketubah. Why? Because we want to support the woman, and we always have that overriding consideration of an almana that we want her to collect her ketubah so that she will then be appealing to other men and she'll be able to get remarried. Now, Kitanoi, it turns out that this machloka between Amoraim is a machloka tanaim. Rabbi Binyamin Omer, someone who he do not hear of much, la koshel shibaraya. Koshel means the one with the weakest proof, v'hu kasher. And he says, and by the way, that's the right ruling. He says the statement that later is echoed by the Amor Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, so now, here we get started on the issue of Tfisah. The second half of the Mishnah talked about, if the, if, talk about a case where the dead person left Perot that were Tfushin. And, uh, the debate between, the dispute between Rabbi Kivan and Rabbi Tarfun was about what to do with the surplus. But that, of course, assumes that somebody else, not the heirs, could grab the perot. And the only question is, if they grab it, what do we do if they grab more than their more than the amount owed to them? But according to Rabbi Kiva, in the first part of the Mishnah, they can't grab anything because it all, all already goes to the Orshim. And if they do grab it, it will be taken away from them. For Rabbi Kiva, my year, your motar. So according to Rabbi Kiva, why is he discussing the surplus? It all belongs to the Orshim. So the truth is, the answer is in hachinami. You're right. And it's simply parallel construction. It's a mirroring response. Since Rabbi Tarfun talked about the surplus, what should be done? Rabbi Kiva responded to him. But if he'd ask Rabbi Kiva, he'd say, I don't think this whole case starts because I don't think anybody else can be toface. But however, Tfisat Balchov, the notion that somebody owed money in certain circumstances can seize property of their debtor uh, and that that may be a valid act, is something that we're familiar with throughout Shas. So Rabbi Kiva seems to discount the whole notion. Rabbi Kiva, Tfisa Lamahani Klal? So Rabbi Nachman, Ushatav is Michayim. Rabbi Kiva does agree you can do Tfisa. When? When the, when the, uh, the debtor is alive. The debtor, I'm the creditor, and he owes me money, and he's not paying me. And while he's alive, I go and see some of his stuff, and then we come to Beitin, and I prove that he hasn't paid me, and Beitin either lets me keep it, or I have to give it back, or however it works. My Tfisa may be valid. But Kiva will say that only works before he dies. Once he dies, then it's already an issue of the Yorshim, and Metatalin, Lo Mishtabdi, In other words, the, the non-Karka that the man owns is not Mishtabed Lebalchov. And therefore, I can't do Tfisa from that which belongs to the Yorshim. Good. So now, Rabbi Tarfon, parenthetically, we're going to look at Rabbi Tarfon. According to Tarfon, the Tfisa does work. Where are these perots sitting that you could do Tfisa on them? You can't go into somebody's backyard, your debtor's backyard, and see something. That's trespassing. That's Geneva. So where are they sitting that you did Tfisa? Rabbi Shmuel, Rabbi Tavayu. In Bavel, they said, They have to be in Rishut 
But if they're in a back alley, that's not good enough. In other words, even if they're not in the debtor's yard, if they're outside, but they're not in a public area where a Kenyan can be made, it's no good. In Tveria, they had a different opinion. Even in a back alley, is still valid. Now, <clears throat> all of that discussion, of course, is only within the context of Rabbi Tarfun's ruling. If Rabbi Tarfun is not L'Halacha, then the discussion is moot. And we'll see where that goes. Don Dainei Krabi Tarfon. There were Dayanim who judged and ruled in cases like Rabbi Tarfon. So there's one time that a judge ruled like Rabbi Tarfon. Vahadre Rishlokish Lu'uvdaminayun. Rishlokish overruled him and he made it and give it back. In other words, what happened was a Balchov grabbed property from a street or a back alley uh, that belonged to the debtor, but the debtor was already dead. And a judge said the Balchov can keep it. And Rabbi Shalakish overturned it and said, you got to give back to the Yoshim, because we rule like Rabbi Akiva. Now, Amar le Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan said to him, Asita kashal Torah. It seems like you've made this halacha like a halacha da'araita. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan clearly disagreed and said that they shouldn't have to give it back. Now, b'mai kamipalgi. Kami Let's say that they're machloket, t'unishlakish and Rabbi Yochanan, as to whether to overturn this case and revert the monies, is based on the following issue. Just a quick, quick preface. In the beginning of the fourth parak of Sanhedrin, there is a discussion about what happens with judicial error. And there are two types of judicial error that are discussed there. One is to'eb idvar mishnah, which is when somebody simply missed it. And there's a canonized law, and they, and they ruled in error. What's the status there? And there you have a discussion about whether choser or no choser, whether the, the judgment gets overturned or not. And then there is a, a, uh, another discussion about to'eb shikuladat, when there is no canonized law that covers this exact case, however, the analogies that the judge used in order to come to his conclusion are clearly proven to be faulty. But that, was, we generally say, is not choser. So we arguing the following, back to our Gemara, perhaps the machloket is about as follows, In other words, at this point, we're going to say, we all agree that the halacha is like Rabbi Kiva. And that is that the Yorshim keep it. And this judge blew it. But the question, the Machlokar Rishlokar Shlokar Shlokar says, Ta'abidvar Mishnah Choser. If you make a mistake about canonized law, the judgment goes overturned. And Rabbi Yochanan says, Eno Choser. That's a little bit difficult because we generally hold Ta'abidvar Mishnah Choser. So we say, Lo. That's not the Machlokar. The Chuliyama Ta'abidvar Mishnah Choser. Everybody agrees that if you make such a mistake, Ta'abidvar Mishnah, it's Choser. Now we're going to ask the question, is this really Ta'abidvar Mishnah? We have a general rule of psak, which is halacha kiva mechaviro. The halacha follows Rabbi Kiva against one colleague. So Rabbi Yochanan may hold that halacha follows Rabbi Kiva against one colleague, but that means only a colleague and not a teacher. Rabbi Tarfon originally was Rabbi Kiva's teacher, one of his teachers. And perhaps Rishlakish holds that halacha Rabbi Kiva against any individual. Uh, uh, of the same period who's in the Mishnah with him, even if he's his Rebbe. That, that's, uh, that, that second possibility was very difficult on Rish Lakish. To say that, uh, that, that he holds Halacha Krebe Kiva Mechaverov Mirabo. No, we all agree that Halacha Krebe Kiva only over his colleagues and not over his teachers. So the problem is that Rabbi Tarfun ended up being a Rav Chaver, or Rikiva, more correctly, was a Tamid Chaver, which means a colleague who was a student, or somebody who started as a student and became a colleague. 
So uh, the question is, which you emphasize? So it could be that Rosh Lakish emphasizes the fact that he was his chaver, and therefore halacha does follow Rabbi Kiva over his chaver, Rabbi Tarfun, and therefore it's Torah B'Dvar Mishnah, the ruling should go back. Yochanan says, we emphasize the fact that Rabbi Tarfun was his teacher, in which case, of course, the halacha is like Rabbi Tarfun, which means, by the way, according to that, the Dayan didn't even blow it at all, he was, he ruled correctly. Um, here's another possibility, which is the Chuliyama Chaviro Habe. Everybody will agree that Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Tarfon ultimately were colleagues. The question is about the essential rule that's driving this entire sugya, which is halacha Rabbi Akiva Mechaviro. That when Rabbi Akiva versus a colleague, the halacha follows Rabbi Akiva. Is it halachak Rabbi Kiva Mechaviro, which means that the absolute rule is Rabbi Akiva over his colleague, or is it Matin? Which means that ideally we rule in favor of Rabbi Kiva. But if you rule against Rabbi Kiva, you still got a leg to stand on. So Rabbi Yochanan evidently felt that way. He said perhaps this Dayan ideally would have ruled like Rabbi Kiva. But since he told the Balchov that he could keep the stuff, he wasn't wrong. And Rabbi, Kiva, and Rabbi Shlakish said, no, the ruling is halachak Rabbi Kiva, which means that since we all agree that Rabbi Akiva was a colleague of Rabbi Tarfun, and we all agree that Torah B'dvar Mishnah Choser, and we all agree that Halachak Rabbi Mechavero, therefore, <coughs> in this case, the ruling does have to be overturned. So several ways of understanding this machloket. We now have a whole series of cases. Um, I'm going to take our cases, two cases further than what are listed on the page, but they're at the beginning of the next page. Uh, the reason will become obvious when we get to it. Case number one. Kravid Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan had a relative. Tofus para diyatu misimta. Following Rabbi Yochanan's ruling that you could even do tfisa in a back alley, he went and grabbed a para, a cow of yatomim. In other words, from an estate whose father, who was now dead, owed him money. He grabbed it from a back, uh, in a back alley. Out to the come Rabbi Yochanan. The heirs came to Rabbi Yochanan. He said, you did good to, to be to, to be toface. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan seems to say that the halacha is Rabbi Tarfon. And of course, Rabbi Yochanan himself said Rabbi Tarfon would even extend it to a back alley. <coughs> they came to Rabbi Shimon Lakish. He said, no, you got to give it back. So they came back to Rabbi Yochanan and said, your Talmud Chaver, <coughs> your brother-in-law, is ruling against you. <clears throat> what can I do? He disagrees with me. In other words, he exceeded the point that really halacha is like Rabbi Akiva, and he's got to give it back. Case number two. There was a cowboy, a herdsman, who was uh, watching the, um, the, the herds of uh, now Yatomim, heirs. The Tafsi a fellow, a Balchov, went and grabbed a, an ox from the, um, from the herdsman. The Balchov said, I grabbed him when the original guy, when the original guy owed me money was still alive. Which means he was a good tefisa. He said no. The cowboy said no. He grabbed it after the guy died, which means that, according to Rabbi Kiva, at least, it's not a good tefisa. After the coming of Rabbi Nachman. So now they come to Rabbi Nachman in Bavel, several generations after we've already ruled like Rabbi Akiva. And so that's not going to be the question. The question here is, who do we believe about when he grabbed it? Amarle, Eidlach, so he said to the cowboy, Eidlach, Sadi, the Tafse, do you have any witnesses that this fellow grabbed it at all? Amarle, love. He said, no, it's my word against his, and we both agree he grabbed it, but I say we disagree about when. Amarle, Migo, Diochal, Amemel, Akuach, Ubiadi, 
Listen, this guy could turn around and say, I bought it. I bought the animal. So he has a migo that we, that we believe him when he says that I was tofis at Michaim because he could have said I bought it and nobody could disagree with him because nobody even, there's no witnesses that say that, um, that they saw him catch it, that they saw him grab it, and he's got possession of the thing. Now, parenthetically, that's a little bit of a problem. Irish said that there is no such thing as claiming this thing is mine by possession, by chazaka, about grazing animals. Because grazing animals wander around, a person grabs them, and then he can say, ah, you see, I bought it. That's not, never proof. So the Shani Torah, the Mesir this one, this case is different with the cow, because the cow, or the ox, was handed over to a herdsman. The herd, they weren't just, it wasn't just grazing by itself, it was being watched. Which means, when the, if a guy is holding on to it, he has a valid claim of saying, you see, it's mine. And there's no witnesses that saw that I grabbed it. Well, yeah, that guy says that I grabbed it, but he claims that I grabbed it too late. I claim I grabbed it on time. So we believe him that he grabbed it on time because he could have said, I don't, I don't, uh, accept what you're saying that I grabbed it. I bought it from the guy before he died. And who's going to contradict me? The guy's dead. Okay. Um, the Venusia, case number three. This is representatives of the patriarchate. Uh, Tafus Amta Diat Mimisimta. There was a family where the man owed the, the patriarch money, and the fellow died. So they went and they grabbed a, a maidservant who was out in the street. So these three Chachamim were sitting together. This is an Eretz Yisrael. Rabbi Abba was sitting with them. They said, They said, you were tough, you, you did good to be tough. Rabbi Abba turned to them and said, What? Because it's the Beit Na Beit Hanasi. You're, you're, uh, being sycophantic to them. You're, you're, uh, you're flattering them and giving them favoritism in the, in the, in the ruling. As we saw earlier on the daf, when people judged like Rabbi Tarfun, Rabbi Shlokish overturned the ruling. Which means you should make him give it back. Alright? Case number four. Yemar Barchashu Havumasik Bezuzi Bahu Gavra. Um, uh, this fellow, Yemar, um, uh, was trying to collect money from somebody. Shachi v'shavik arba. This fellow, the debtor, died, and he left a boat. Amar le So this chashu said to an agent of his, Zil tafsa Go grab the boat quickly before anybody else does, and that'll be my way of claiming the, the debt that I was never paid back. Azal tafsa. The fellow went and did it. So these two Chachamim, who at this point, as you could see, were relatively young students, also, it turned out, had a debt that this that same fellow owed them, each one of them. They met the guy, not Chashu, but his agent. Amrule, they said, You know what you're doing? You're grabbing on behalf of Balchov, but you're hurting other people. In other words, you're not the Balchov, you're grabbing on behalf of Balchov, but you're being Chav Lacherim, which means that we are losing our claim. That's the ruling, that if you're Tofes, the Balchov, in a place where you're hurting somebody else's chances, the Tfisa isn't good. So what happened? The guy walked away. Tafsuainu, these two rabbis now grabbed it. Rav Papa Mimlach Meluche, he started steering the boat. He started pulling the masts and the, and the ropes. And each one of them claimed, I own the whole boat. So they were, had their own competing claims about their tefisa, because each one of them had a debt that this fellow owed them. So Pinchas Barami said, we're in Bavel. In Bavel, the ruling is 
that even if we say Tfisa is good, Tfisa is only good if you catch him Irshut Rabim. Here you're on a river. So they had an answer for that. We grabbed it from the wild speed of the river. In other words, it was also Rishut Rabim. So they came to Rava, and the, the heirs were probably complaining about this. He said, You white sheep. You're stealing people's clothes. In other words, he's, he's accusing these two students, or Papa and about, about inappropriate behavior. Rachman, after all, ruled already that that it's only that that uh, it's like Rabbi Kiva. You can only tell if it's Michaim. If the guy's already dead, it doesn't matter that that guy was a shaliach and you're not a shaliach, and the river is considered shudabim. Doesn't help. There's no good tefisa here at all. Okay, Avimi braid Rabbi Avahu have a bechozoi. This Avimi had people in bechozoi who were suing him for money, and he owed money. Shadrinu biad chama braid Rabbi Barvua. So he sent it with uh, with a shaliach. Azel Parinus, the fellow went with the money, paid off the debt. Amrlehu, and then he said to the creditors, Havuli Shtara, give me the star back so that you won't come collect it again. Amrule, they turned around and said, No, no, Sitra Ninu. By the way, the debt you paid off was a different debt. In other words, we've got a star on hundred thousand dollars. You paid us hundred thousand dollars. That's another hundred thousand dollars that he owed us that was a Milval pet. So we're not giving you the star. So Atal the Kamar Bava, we came back to his the fellow who sent him. Amar, so the fellow Sam said, Do you have any witnesses that you paid him back? And you got nothing in your hands. You paid them back without witnesses, and that you didn't get a star back. I'm stuck. Because these guys could say, They could say they never saw you. They could say they never got any money at all. Because there's no proof that they did. They're also believed to say that this money is for a different debt. So that means Rabbi Abba admits that he's out of luck. Now, but what about making the shaliach pay back to the guy who sent him? After all, if I give a fellow money to go pay back a debt, and the guy goes and throws it all away in the street, or goes and gambles with it, or gives it to somebody else, he owes me money. He threw my money away. So what, what about here? Amravashi Chazinan. So Ravashi says you have to see what happened. If the fellow told him, first take the star and then give them the money, Mishalim, then he has to pay him because he didn't do what the guy said. Because he first gave the money and then it was too late. <clears throat> but if he said, but if he said give the money and then take the star, then lo Mishalim, then he doesn't have to pay because he did exactly what the guy said. They refused to give the star. Below, he will reject Ravashi. Ben kachu, ben kachu, mishalim. In any case, he has to pay. I sent you to do a good thing and not to mess things up. You fouled things up. I now am out $100,000. I still owe them the money. So you have to pay me. And that's the Allah. Now, there was a woman. There was a woman who people used to entrust their starot. She was the safe deposit box. So there were a particular man who kept Shtarot with her, died, and the Yorshim came and said, we want our Shtarot back. Um, she said to them, Guess what? Your father also owed me money. So I was Tofesh the Shtarot. You want to get the Shtarot back? Pay me the debt. Um, so they came to Rav Nachman. Do you have any witnesses that this fellow, the fellow who died, came up to you while he was still alive and said, I want my shtarot, and you refused to give it to him, and that was your tfisa? She said, no. 
אם כן, הרי תפיסה לא חמיתה, תפיסה לא חמיתה לא כלום, that means your תפיסה was left to death. In other words, תפיסה, normally, as I walk up to the property that I see in the public, that I know belongs to a guy, and I grab it. But here, where the person has entrusted it to me, I can't do an act which is clearly תפיסה, which the person could then protest, unless the person comes to me and says, I want my things back, and I say no, and I'm doing an act of תפיסה. She didn't do that, she only did that after he died. That's תפיסה לא חמיתה, לאו כלום. ההיטתה, next case, תאיחי ושבועה בדינא דרבה. She, this woman, had to take a shvua in order to collect the debt in Rava's Beitin. Amrle bat Rav Chista. So, bat Rav Chista, Rava's wife said to him, to, to her husband, Yadana bat Rav I know that this woman is not to be trusted with a shvua. She lies under oath. Now, the halacha is that a chashur al-shvua, if somebody has, is mechuyav b'shvuyav, v'enei chol yishavah, if somebody's chayev take a shvua and they can't take a shvua, shekenegdo nishba v'notel, then the opposite number takes a shvua and then the opposite things happen. So instead of taking a shvua where you normally take to keep your money and to, to deflect the claim, here the other person takes a shvua and takes the money. Or in this case, the one who wanted to collect money, she couldn't take the shvua, the other person will take a shvua and keep the money. So now, R- Rava's wife is the one who told him that this woman is chshuda ala shvua, so Rava turned it around and made the opposite person take the Shvua, and it played out, of course, to that advantage. Now, Zin Rav Yatvi Kamera, Papa Rav Adabarmatna. So there were times that the students of Rava, these two students were sitting in front of him. One time, Aito Ahushtar Agabe, somebody brought a star to Rava. So Amr Papa, Papa turned to Rava and said, Yadana Beit Ashtar Priyahi, I know that that star has already been paid off. So Amr Lehi, Ikeina Shachrina Vahadidimar. So Rava said, Do you have another witness to that effect? Even though you're an important guy, you're one witness. So notice what happened. Rava's wife told him that this lady is not believed under oath, and Rava acted on it. Rav Papa turned around and said, Rebbe, this, I know that this, this star has already been paid off, and Rava said, unless you got another witness, I can't attend to you. So now, so the other student spoke up and said, shouldn't this student be at least as, as valid a witness as your wife? So he said, no, I know my wife, I know her to be honest. I, I don't know you that well. In other words, you may be honest, but I don't, I don't know her papa that well to say that I can trust him. So Papa, Papa turned around and said, So now that Rebbe, that you're saying, that Kimli, meaning that I know personally that this person's being honest, is a, is a valid consideration. Abba, my son, the Kimli Begave, I know how, how, that he's perfectly honest. If he comes and says that a star is paid up, I will tear it up. I will not allow it to be used. You think you'd really tear it up? What he meant was, I will... Uh, regard as deficient a star that he claims is already paid up. In other words, Kimle is, Kimle is a significant idea that says that if I know for a fact that this person is telling the truth, then I can trust them. And it has implications in Allah far beyond Shtarot. Uh, okay, good. Next case. So this woman was chayv to take a shvua in order to collect money. So her opposite number said, Let's go into the city and take the Shvua. He wanted there to be a larger crowd there. Maybe she'll be embarrassed and she'll agree that she that she's really lying. She's trying, he, he thinks, of course, that she's lying. That's why he's the opposite number. Or that's what he's claiming. And he's trying to scare her into admitting that. So so the woman said, All right, I'll do it. But I want you to write me a Zachvata, which means a star that says I can collect. 
yahavuli. And then as soon as I take the oath, I want you to give it to me. In other words, you right now, write a, a zachvata that says that I can collect the money. And as soon as I take the oath, you hand it over to me. So the Abbeitin said, write it. This is a certain kind of uh, play on words and an insult to Rabbi saying he said I'm foolish. We had this in the second parak. Rava said that in Asharta, which means the imprim- the the um, the confirmation of the baiting, which goes at the bottom of the star, that's written before the Adim testify uh, to their signatures, is psula. Even though five minutes later they come by and they say that is our signatures. Why? Because at the moment you write it, it looks like sheker, because you're saying the witnesses came and testified. They didn't testify yet. So the same thing should be here. How can you write a zachvata for this woman before she took the oath and then hand it over to her when she takes the oath? Vileta, the truth is, that's not right. Or Bibi was right. Meir says that if you find a get in the trash and has all the right names on it, you could pick it up and you could sign it and hand it over and it's a valid start. Even the Rabbanon who disagree with him only disagree Why? Because they hold, unlike Rabbi Meir, the unique Tivali Shema. Right? The of 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 Tivali Shema. Because But Rabbanon agree with Rabbi Meir when it comes to other Shtarot that you can use an already used Shtar. Which means that it, we're not concerned that it looks like a lie because the star was written for somebody else or at an earlier time. Let's say you used the star and it was paid up. You can't use it again. Let's say I lend somebody $100,000. He comes and pays me back. And then before I even give him the star, he said, you know what? I want to borrow the money again. I can't use the same star. Why? Because the minute he paid me back, I was mochel, the shibu that I had on his land for $100,000. So now this star is like an empty star. But the only reason I can't use it is because of this technicality of the Shibud. But for the concern that it looks like a lie, that we're not concerned with. So therefore, the woman is right to have the Zachvata written. Rabbi Rabbi ruled correctly. Now, who Gavra, now we have a, a case, and we will see, this is the last case that's on the page, on the handout, but we're going to do the next two cases. And... Um, and if I have an opportunity, I'll even readjust the handout so that uh, it'll be fixed properly. So there's a fellow who entrusted seven jewels that were tied up in a sheet, and it's obviously in a very particular manner, in Rabbi Shubin Levi's grandson's house. He died and never told his kids about it. So they came to Ravami. This guy says, I want my jewels. They say, maybe it belonged to father. He said, first, it goes to the guy. Why? Because first of all, I know that the Rishub and Levi's grandson was not rich. Therefore, these couldn't have been his. Second of all, the guy gave a simon. A seven wrapped in a sheet like this. It's a good simon. And by the way, that's only if this guy wasn't a regular visitor at that house. But if he was a regular visitor there, maybe somebody else left the jewels there, and this guy happened to see it, and so therefore we can't trust him. So we have to find out that he wasn't a regular at the house. Now the next case, there was a guy 
who entrusted a silver cup at Chas's house. Same thing, Shachiv Chasav Lopakid. He died and didn't tell his kids about this soul silver cup. When they came to Rav Nachman, First of all, I know Chasav was not a rich guy. Second of all, this fellow gave a Siman, a silver cup, exactly what it looked like, how it was wrapped. Again, we only say this if the claimant was not somebody who was a regular chasa's house. But if he was, again, I will claim somebody else left the stuff there. And this guy saw it and made, the, and made his own claim. Third and final case of this sort. So a guy left some fancy clothes with Rav Safra's brother. Shachiv Rav Dimi Again, the fellow died, didn't tell his kids about it. Atta the Kamid Rabbi Abba. So they came to Rabbi Abba. This is in Eretz Yisrael now. He said, first of all, I know Rav Dimi was not rich. Second of all, this guy gave a Siman. Again, the same thing. Same response, which is that we only have this ruling if the claimant was not somebody who was a regular at this fellow's house, this Rav Dimi, Rav Safra's brother's house. But if he was, then we're concerned that perhaps he saw the real uh, owner entrusted there, and he saw how he did it, and he came back and made the claim as soon as, conveniently, as soon as the uh, the Shomer died. Tov, we'll pick up at this point tomorrow and finish to the Mishnah Daf Pevav Amud Bet. Everybody should have a wonderful day.